Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hey, this is Anna David, and this is After Party Pod. It's a podcast about addiction and recovery. And today we get a little bit into something we've never gotten into, which is OCD, that is obsessive compulsive disorder. But if you listen to this podcast, you don't need words like OCD defined for you. Am I right? This podcast is released every other Friday, and you can find it not only on iTunes and SoundCloud and places like that, but on After Party Magazine, which is what it is a part of. An After Party Magazine is a website about addiction and recovery. It is part of RehabReviews.com, which is the largest website for rehab reviews, over 4,500 reviews at this point. So if you're looking for treatment, go there. And you can also find this podcast at AfterPartyPod.com of course. Subscribe to the podcast and you will never miss an episode. You can do that on iTunes and you can uh, subscribe to the After Party newsletter and also never miss a story on the website. You go to afterpartynewsletter.com. Let's get into today's guest, Jolene Lunzer. She's an LA-based stand-up comedian. Her comedy has been featured on Fox, BET, a whole bunch of other places. She tours. She was one of three finalists in Lonnie's Laugh Off, which was sponsored by comedian Lonnie Love. You know her. And she released her first comedy album, Hot Off the Hot Dish, in 2013. I spoke to her about all things mental illness, addiction, all the hot topics. Here she is, Jolene Lunzer. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my god, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Yeah, so so we should, and we're going, note that it is over 100 degrees today? Yeah, 101. 101. Mm-hmm. And why are you dressed for the fall? Well, I'm so pale uh-huh. that I always kind of protect my skin, and I'm uh-huh. from Minnesota, so I'm just like a winter kind of person. Right, right. Yeah, so I really have to protect myself all the time. <laughs> Although it's almost the opposite of self-protection on a day like this when you're wearing a flannel and jeans. Yes, and boots. And boots <laughs> and boots. But if I like got tan like you and had nice skin, and I would show it. But really? people will like react oh, oh, to my okay. skin. I've seen skin like that. Yes. It doesn't look. It, I'm looking at your hand. Oh, well, let's see. We get some legs. It's, I have stuff. seen such paler skin. Maybe it needs to be in the light to see how bad. I would like I would like <laughs> listeners to know that it is not as pale oh, as maybe this I is wish. alcoholism. Maybe this yes. is like your uh 
you know, alcoholic brain making a problem where there isn't one. Probably. Probably <laughs> with my skin. <laughs> so you're from Minnesota. My mm-hmm. family is from, my, my mom was from there, but she really? got the hell out, like, right away. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've been there once. But, so tell me, okay, you live in Los Angeles, you're a comedian, mm-hmm. and um, tell me a little bit about your journey from growing up in the cold, pale Midwest to getting here today. Yes. Well, I lived in Minnesota my whole life. And uh-huh. then when I was about 26, I followed a boy that uh-huh. I was dating to Arizona, which uh-huh. was a horrible idea. At Especially because of the sun. Yeah, the pale skin. exactly. I went from one extreme to the next, yep. and he was an asshole. Yeah. And um, went there, and then I was just in this horrible relationship and situation How away from my you? family. I was 26 when I moved there. Uh-huh. And he and I stayed together until I was about 29. So, and he was terrible the whole time? Yes, he was one of those, like, cheater, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. sex person. Is that a thing? Like, a sex, a sex addict? <laughs> I don't know. a sex person, He's too. a sex addict. Because it's hard to diagnose. It's hard, Unless yeah. it's real obvious. Yeah, unless, I think he's just a jerk. Yeah, just, he's like, just like a, a slutty not a jerk. That's di- diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, just yeah. a slutty jerk. I don't want to slut shame him, but he shouldn't be a slut when he's in a relationship. No, <laughs> that's a good idea. But he was someone like we partied together yep. all the time really hard. And then I started stand up. Uh-huh. Like him, I had just like a mental breakdown around 28 uh-huh. and then stand up I took some short-term disability from work I tell, tell me about that mental breakdown we brushed over this I basically just had been kind of fighting these things like anxiety yep. I became extremely OCD where I wasn't leaving the house uh-huh. and it just became completely debilitating so I know not that much about OCD beyond mm-hmm. the sort of basics. So when, when it's really severe, you can't leave the house because you can't control your environment more? Yeah, there's a control thing with the outside world. And it's also you develop these checking patterns to yeah. kind of make yourself feel good. Uh-huh. And my checking, we're always checking the door. Uh-huh. I had unlock, lock, unlock, yep. lock. Checking the oven. Checking to be able to find my cat to make sure she wasn't dead. So if I left the house, I'd have to go back in and go, ah, she's probably dead since I left. Like that's right. your like, brain how telling many you. times... Would you do it? I mean, I've done it 20 times before. I've gotten to my car, I've turned around and come back home thinking I didn't unplug my flat iron. And then I have to physically, like, touch it. It's very yeah. strange. So, so, okay, so on the, let's say it's the third time. And you're mm-hmm. like, but I know yes. I just did this. Mm-hmm. And, and your brain's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have to touch it, feel it, see it. That's your checking. If you don't do that, it doesn't feel good. And I almost had a, um, my therapist called it, uh, like, a superstitious uh-huh. one. Like, if I didn't do this yeah, or yeah, did yeah. that, someone would die. Yeah. You know, or something happened to my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just so, there, it was just too much to where I, I stopped leaving my house and I had to go on short-term disability. Okay. One more question about the OCD. Sure. What would stop it at the 20th time? Why not a 21st? Like at a certain point, was your brain like, okay, mm-hmm. a cer- we're cool. Yeah. A certain point I, I could be cool. Okay. And now I even have little, when I have anxiety, checking patterns that I do, like every night when I lock the door, if I'm having an anxious day, mm-hmm. I will go out and have to physically open my door, uh-huh. touch the outside of the locks to make sure the keys aren't in, aren't there. in there. Because one time uh-huh. I left the keys. Yeah. And so now my brain says, you yeah, better check you were the that wrong shit. person yes. to do that. Mm-hmm. I do relate to this. I have a very, I, I relate to every bit of it, though mm-hmm. I don't. Like, ha- have it. I always hate when people are like, oh, my God, like, I'm totally a CD2. Yes. I mean, it's so annoying and mm-hmm. disrespectful of the actual. But I but I, I certainly have elements that I relate yeah. to. My, I have a thing where I am convinced if I'm on the phone and I hang up 
and then I talk to somebody else that the phone is still connected. <gasps> I always think that too. I have to look at my phone sometimes. I have to turn my phone off oh. and back on. Do you ever do airplane mode? Because that's a easier way to do it. I would never trust that. <laughs> I would not believe that would disconnect it. Yeah. Because oftentimes, like let's say when I was on like dating or, or whatever like I would be talking to the guy and then I'd immediately want to call my friend and dissect every bit of it and I'd be like he's still connected so I would not do it yes I can because I can relate to that I have had experiences I had a few where phones were still connected that's one of my biggest fears, and to say something and have someone hear, oh. Well, and how about just living in this world where you could so easily text the wrong thing to the mm-hmm. wrong person? Have you ever done that? Um, no, I think I've been lucky that I haven't, yeah, but I'm too. always terrified. That's why if I get a, I work an office job during the day, if my boss texts me something, because yeah. he's in another state, I delete his text right away, so I don't reply to him like yeah. I would my husband. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. love you too, or I'm hating today. Right, <laughs> right. I know that's like sexy texts. Yes. I always worry that I'm going to send oh. to like, like a sponsee or someone or something like, to like, like your mom or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you say it was a breakdown, what? Mm-hmm. It, how did it manifest itself? How did it culminate? Um, it ended up being, it was just like I was super unhappy. Mm-hmm. My, I knew my boyfriend was cheating at the time. Mm-hmm. He wasn't admitting to anything. He was being like, you're crazy, Jolene, you're crazy. My anxiety just kept going and going and going. My parents came to visit. They could see something was really wrong. And pretty much after they left, I went to my therapist. Mm-hmm. And I had these thoughts of, I was driving to work one day and I said, I'm just going to turn my car in front of traffic Uh and I didn't think I guess I didn't think at the time it was suicidal I just thought it sounded peaceful right and that sounds really you know messed up um, not to me. Okay, okay, but maybe some people would hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not to any listeners yeah. of this show. <laughs> See, wow, yeah. she wants to turn her Honda Civic in front of traffic. Yeah. Um, Never thinking of what you might do to the That's other cars. what I was just going to say yeah. is I would... I just wanted at peace myself. I never wanted to hurt anyone else, but that would be a way that I could have hurt. Yeah. And I don't know if I intended to do that. It just was something that kept hitting me and kept being like, oh, I might... Mm-hmm. So something I'm considering that's messed up. Told my therapist, and she was like, "All right, that's that's it." And checked myself into a hospital. Uh-huh. Um, was kept for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So I voluntarily checked in, and then being there was just an experience. Yes, because I had never had an experience like that. Um, they diagnosed me bipolar two while I was there. But I thought bipolar 2 just meant that you had not been hospitalized. Isn't the only distinction between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2? Somebody, a psychiatrist just told me that. No, that's not my understanding. My understanding is bipolar 2 is more of a manic depressive where we don't have like the high highs of a 1. We don't have that like super mania. More so we're manic depressives. Do you want to hear something very interesting? Sure. Um... First of all, um, my bottom that got me sober was that I started to think about driving into oncoming traffic. It was the exact same thing. Really? Had no, like, suicidality or, or mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about it like that. I just thought of it as an escape and certainly never thought of what it would do to anybody yeah. else. But my psychiatrist diagnosed me a couple years ago as bipolar 2. And so I went around being like, I'm bipolar 2. And because the medication works. I believe that. And now I'm really good friends with a psychiatrist who actually went to medical school with my psychiatrist. And what he told me, he's like, the bipolar 2 diagnosis got very out of control in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And technically, what it means is you have not been hospitalized. And I'm like, but I have to be bipolar because the medication works. And he's like, that's crazy. Like, the medication works. Mm -hmm. Do you take Lamictal? I do. Yeah. I take Lamictal. And that's a wonder drug. Yes. So anyway... He, he said, I've never heard that. I did hear that it was being overdiagnosed. Yes. And that they were just kind of throwing you under, under when you're like manic depressive. 
that they're going, okay, now we're adding another category of bipolar and you're the bipolar two. Yeah, I mean, my experience too was I never had mania. I just yeah. had depression. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I don't mean to throw your whole yeah. self-identity no, into it. No, it's funny because I have a website too, moodygirl.com, and I talk about bipolar. Yeah. Now this might be something I can look into and it, write mean, about because I, I didn't know that. He's a top psychiatrist. Yes. Why would he have Well, like, things are always changing. So true, that, true, mm -hmm. true. That's why a DSM is published, you know, is yes. republished and edited. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you get that diagnosis. You're mm -hmm. in the hospital for just a day? Just a day. Uh -huh. they, I realized, they realized too that I needed outpatient, not mm -hmm. inpatient, but they did the whole, you know, take your shoelaces, take mm -hmm. your belt. They put me in a room with someone who was like, I think I was, I was 28 at the time and the girl I was in a room with was 19 mm -hmm. and they checked me in at night and I forgot her name, but you know, let's just say Sarah, like mm -hmm. Sarah, this is Jillian, your roommate. Uh, you know, say hi. And she said, I'm going to fucking kill you. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so they had to have someone sleep in between us. Oh my God. Because, well, this poor girl had like been through the system and she had a horrible story and she had a UTI. She wouldn't let them treat. So in the bathroom was just a mess. Yes. Yeah, so I was just like, oh my, this is surreal. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. And when I woke up, uh, we did like group things and I realized how I guess lucky yeah I was and I was still coherent actually a lot of the patients were coming up to me asking me for their meds which I thought was really funny right. they just assumed you were yes and nowhere else in my life would anyone ever think I was a doctor <laughs> so, like, I don't want to leave um, but the hospital. wait side note why would they not just give you your own room I, when your roommate says she's gonna kill you great point maybe my insurance i don't know i mean why. like because then like even the person who works there's life yes. in danger too and like, it was an older lady sitting in between so i'm like you're not gonna be able to do anything did you, did you sleep at all no yeah i just tossed and turned thinking about how sarah was gonna murder yeah. me with her uti yeah like, i was so scared okay so so then i saw a psychiatrist uh -huh. and after they do like you know they do all those survey tests mm -hmm. whatever and um he was like you know I'm going to give you, they gave me Seroquel at the time, which was, oh, that knocked me out. I yeah. hated that antipsychotic. Yeah. I would sleep for 16 hours. And he was just basically, you're going to go home. You're going to start outpatient. And I started outpatient with my current therapist. And I was there like every day. Wait, so outpatient treatment, like recovery, addiction treatment, or just outpatient? Just mental? outpatient oh. mental. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I was still drinking at the time. Which okay. mm -hmm. doesn't so help. It doesn't help at all. No, and then with medications. Doesn't and stuff. help with the medication. I no. used to be like, well, I'm not sick. They'd say, don't drink. Mm -hmm. And you, I go, okay, no problem. And then it didn't make me sick drinking and taking antidepressants, so I figured it was okay. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that it rendered them useless. Mm -hmm. Zoloft, I took that when I was really young and I drank, and it made me sick and I okay. didn't care. I yeah, just stopped yeah. taking the Zoloft. Right, right. <laughs> I remember like sort of related, uh, graduating from college and reading an article that said, smoking and, and taking the pill is like putting a loaded gun to your head. Really? And I was like, shit, gotta go off the Blood pill. Blood clots, that's like, why. Gotta go off the pill. Never thought, Never else. stay on the pill and like <laughs> quit smoking. Yeah. So, okay. That's funny. Then, so you're in outpatient mm -hmm. in Arizona? Yes. Okay. And then I went back to Minnesota for like a couple weeks uh -huh. around the holidays and that's when I went to a comedy show that was the last thing I wanted to do with my friends and it was my friend's birthday and my mom's like you have to get out of the house I hadn't seen anyone I didn't talk to people and so my friend her birthday wanted to go to a comedy show and I had forever wanted to do stand-up comedy and was just terrified of it 
and we went to the show and it just something in me I was watching and it, it's really weird it's like how the universe works one of the girls I can bring her up because she doesn't have any yeah. addiction things or anything yeah. um, Andy Erickson she's a really funny stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and uh, she was performing I didn't know her at the time mm-hmm. and now we're friends since mm-hmm. this whole stand-up thing started but I saw her perform and I saw this woman on stage with like such light and power and happy mm-hmm. and I'm like I want to be happy mm-hmm. I want that and so it really inspired me and I stayed in Minnesota a couple more days went back to Arizona googled stand-up comedy mm-hmm. started a stand-up workshop mm-hmm. and I just got really I got so into it and uh by six months or less five months into stand-up maybe less I had broken up with the boyfriend uh-huh. and moved on with my life Wow, so so stand up saved you before yes. mm-hmm. um, it really did recovery. Yeah. So and then so you moved to LA. I didn't move to LA. Yeah, okay. I stayed in Arizona. Uh-huh. I did comedy that was in 2008. I stayed in Arizona until 2012. I met my husband mm-hmm. actually doing stand up mm-hmm. in Arizona. Then I moved back to Minneapolis. My husband and I we weren't married yet. Mm-hmm. We wanted to save before our big LA move. Mm-hmm. So we moved into my parents' basement. Nice, glamorous. For about, yo, yeah. so glamorous. Um, for about sixteen months, mm-hmm. and now we've been in LA two and a half years. Uh huh. Yeah. And he's a comedian as well. He is. Mm-hmm. And tell me about like the drinking and all of that stuff. How long are you sober? Four years. Uh-huh. Yeah. April first, two thousand twelve. Congratulations. So, yeah, four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. It was, it was April Fools, which I always think is funny. Yeah, that's all I know. Oh, I'm a comedian. I quit drinking on April Fools. <laughs> Have you used that? No. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I don't think you need to work it into anything. No, I don't like a bit. think but maybe get laughs. It could. It could. You never know. It just died in this room. Let's be honest. You know what? I'm the toughest laugh ever. It's that's, like, I don't LOL. Yeah. I do, but it's hard. Do you see a lot of comedy? Because I find the more comedy or the more you're into this, the more yeah. you won't laugh. Yes, I mm-hmm. think that's true. Well, I also, yeah, I feel like... This doesn't like sounds. This sounds self-aggrandizing. I've been around really funny people my whole life. Sort that of. I can do it though. I know, and I, I'm just, I, I'm amused by a great many mm-hmm. things, but I just don't laugh out loud that yeah. much. But okay, so, so you're drinking mm-hmm. and just drinking, no drugs. No, I never really did drugs. Um, I wanted to be like a weed smoker. Like I always wanted to be a pot smoker, yeah. but I was really bad at it. Yeah, and I got paranoid. Yeah, and I would ruin it for other people. Like I would want to talk about like World War Two and genocide and stuff. Right. So I get really serious. <laughs> so yeah, no. The last time I did drink, though, I had high anxiety and I mm-hmm. took Klonopin, mm-hmm. and I had never mixed the two before, and that was the worst mm-hmm. i had heard stories about not you know mm-hmm. but i had never done it mm-hmm. and it yeah what happened completely blacked out yeah like i don't remember large i mean towards the end of my drink and i was blacking out a lot yeah and that really was just one of the things that pushed me to you need to get your shit together because i didn't really have like a i guess a, a horrible right you know uh but it was horrible for me yeah and it just created more and more anxiety. And the last time I got drunk was actually one of my best friends at her wedding. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I was really anxious that morning. And all the girls went to get ready together. And I said, I'm going to do it alone. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we seclude ourselves mm-hmm. when you have anxiety mm-hmm. and things. And uh, I took some Klonopin. I went and got my hair done. Then they were all getting ready. So I just started drinking champagne. Mm-hmm. And throughout the rest of the day, I drank anything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And I was blacked out almost fully during the ceremony. Did you do anything embarrassing? Um, I think I grinded on a DJ mm-hmm. with my boyfriend there, mm-hmm. um, who then later asked my boyfriend, is she single? What's her story? So yes. that 
Yeah. I think I wanted him to play Beyonce. And um, <laughs> I woke up uh-huh. the next day in my bed mm-hmm. and I didn't remember how I got there or anything. And my boyfriend at the time, like I wasn't clothed and I, he was out in the living room and I just, I always, whenever I blacked out, I got such anxiety about what I said, what I did. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't call anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause usually I would do something horrible, like mm-hmm. out someone's bulimia or something really right, like right. a jerk, punch someone in the face, you know, you things did? like, yeah, I've kicked, I punched uh, a guy over a cab one time. Oh my, you meaning he got in and yeah, you wanted it? Yeah, he got in uh-huh. and I was like, that's my cab. I call yeah. it, I'd been waiting. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, bitch. And she reached, there was a window down? He, he like pushed in front of me, like pushed me out of oh, the way yeah. and got it. He was just another drunk dude. Yeah. We were both drunk and I just, my fist went back and I hit him. Did you, had you ever hit anything before? Did you know how to hit? Oh yeah. Like my dad taught me how to box when I was little. Okay. okay. Because we lived in a neighborhood where it was mostly boys and they would pick on me and my brother. So, so. but had you had, had you hit human flesh before or just a boxing? Oh, boxing, yes. you're actually hitting human flesh, not yes. like a bag. Okay. Yeah. And also I'd been in fights as a kid. Interesting. Because it was kind of like my dad would send me out to like defend my brother, my younger brother's honor when we lived next to these four horrible neighbor boys who would like try to beat us up. Aww. But little did they know, like he trained his daughter to box. Right. These poor kids were coming over like, hey, come outside. And I'm like, and I would cry because I never wanted to fight. Right. But my dad, one time, they beat up my brother. Uh-huh. And the two older ones came over, like the two younger ones got in a fight with him. And my dad pushed, I'll never forget, he pushed me out of the house. And he said, don't come back until it's done. He locked the door and him and my brother watched. Like, it's a, I mean, it's from a, the a window. It's a traumatic thing, but like the nicest story about toughening somebody. Yes. At, at the same time, mm-hmm. I have conflicting emotions about it. Yes. He did it for the, he had the best of intentions to be like, my daughter, well, he'll all, he was always like, you're just as good as the voice. But how emasculating for your brother, right? Or he was just so little that he was, it was so okay. little. Yeah. Because yeah. he's three and a half years younger. Yeah. And so me being maybe like, 10 at the time or 11. So you, so you kicked ass? Yeah. So first I had to beat up Johnny. Uh-huh. And then Justin, who's a year older. Johnny was my age. Uh-huh. And then Ray, their uh-huh. dad, and my dad, Paul, they had some beef. They had a rivalry. Bad. And then Ray saw his sons get beat up. So he said, time for dinner. Because mm-hmm. we just had like a chain link fence yeah. between our yards. And my dad ran outside. And he tells this story so proudly. Like, I could do anything in my life. My dad will never be more proud than when I beat up. Oh, three boys. Yes. Never, never, never. And he was like, hey, Ray, what kind of pussies you raising over there that my daughter can kick all their asses? And that's literally his favorite story. Oh, my God. So so when you (laughs) punched the guy over the cab, you had some experience. Did you get the cab? No, I didn't because my boyfriend at the time uh-huh. and his friend pulled me. They were afraid I was going to get arrested. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. they took me away. And I had never hit someone before they had hit me. Right. That was always one of my dad's rules. Never right. throw the first punch. Right. Something right. he taught me. I didn't want to throw any punches. Yeah. But that alcohol made me very aggressive. Yeah. And would make me violent like that. Mm-hmm. But I, that was the first time I had actively like hit someone i mean sitting across from you it's hard to imagine you do seem quite the pacifist Mm -hmm. you've got you know the nice midwestern girl i I mean (laughs) everyone i've interviewed we fool you like somebody (laughs) would punch a guy over a cab but you never know no so it's more anxiety than depression that you you struggle with yeah i think the anxiety is what brings on the depression yeah exactly yeah Mm -hmm. you're exactly right yeah my psychiatrist the the misdiagnoser says it really well she says um, 
she's like, yeah, I don't think you suffer from depression so much as you just get so worried you're going to get depressed. Yes. And same with insomnia. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, not like I'm, I have insomnia so much as I'm just so worried about it that it brings it on. Mm-hmm. And so then you, the wedding and then the next day you decide. Or yeah. Like, well, really? he had said, I had said, you know, where's my clothes? Where's yeah. my, you know, and he said, just take a shower. Uh-huh. And I thought, what sad, what yeah. happened what yeah. happened and he was like you like peed yourself I was like what apparently he found me like my bathroom had one of those those bathrooms where you have like the vanity and the sink and yeah. then you go in a separate yeah. room to go to the toilet and I had almost made it yeah and I passed out next to my cat's litter box uh, and I had never like I have friends who are like I pissed my pants again yeah, but yeah. I had never gotten to that point and the fact that what really scared me is that I could have fallen I could have hit my head and I thought that next day is that how you want to go out yeah like do, do I want my parents to get a call like hey Jolene died because she fell down and hit the side of a dirty bathroom counter right, right. I know something in me resonated like and I was so worried I ruined their wedding yeah and my husband who was my boyfriend at the time said I was actually like fun yeah and the weird thing is is my friend who got married she asked me if I would drink and party at her wedding because at the time I knew that my drinking was becoming a problem so I wasn't doing it in front of anyone right I was going home and drinking mm-hmm. and I was drinking by myself mm-hmm. and then wait till my boyfriend falls asleep and then drink some more mm-hmm. and I wasn't drinking at comedy shows because mm-hmm. I made myself a promise right when I started stand-up that I wouldn't drink before I went up because I always knew eventually I'd have to quit since the first time I drank. Why? Uh, I grew up in an alcoholic family. Mm-hmm. My mom's 17 years sober. All my friends, everyone we knew in our neighborhood had a drinking problem. And I was really good at it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, this isn't. And my mom got sober when I was 19. Wow. And so I saw that and saw how I was acting. And she was a very functioning alcoholic, as was I. Mm-hmm. So... And did, would she say things like, ah, oh, saving a seat for you? Or she no. just kind of went and did her? She went and did oh, her. She, she never right. commented on yeah. mine. Mm-mm. And so it wasn't a big dramatic moment then. You just decided, I'm no. go- and you didn't go to treatment. No. And so you went to meetings? No. Oh, Mm-mm. just you were like, I'm done. Yes. And that's, it's been that way ever since. Yes. I mean, I've went to meetings here and there, mm-hmm. and I've made friends with, I've like sober friends, which has helped. And one of the biggest thing that's helped is um, I moved mm-hmm. soon after that, and my husband is a non-drinker. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly with someone who doesn't drink. Yes. So that really helps me. Yeah. Um, but here and there, I've went to meetings with friends, but I've never like completed the program. Uh-huh. And that's been, I went to a meeting recently in the Valley, and uh, that was kind of odd for people when I was talking to them. Yeah. They're like, what? And I, oh, I feel that, that, that weirdness, too, because I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if, if people believe me sometimes, I feel. When you say somewhere in the middle, what do you mean? Like, I'm not quite, like, I'm not in a, like, AA community. Yeah. You know? And I'm not, um, I don't in know the what the... In the drinking world. Yeah, in the drinking world. So I'm, I'm here. Right. But I've been pretty resistant mm-hmm. to AA. Why? Throughout, you know, I've, I've been trying to figure out my therapist always thought it was a good idea because she's someone who went through that and um, went to, goes to AA. Yeah, she she's older now, but I think she I don't think she goes anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she went through that, and um, I, I just I I just I guess I thought I didn't have to, mm-hmm. and that's kind of I always told myself when you have to, you'll know and you'll go. Do you think it might make <laughs> you feel better even if you don't have to? Sometimes I do. Yeah. I talk to friends about that who are in the program. Yeah. And just how 
just as I get older, I see it coming up in other parts of my life, whether it's food. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I think that's something that I'm noticing about myself. What do you mean? How? It's just my eating habits. Like and things w- like what's happening? Just like emotional eating. Oh, and yeah. to the point of where, why didn't you stop eating 10 minutes ago? Right. You're full. Right. And that's an addictive brain. Absolutely. Telling myself that I'll feel better. Because LA is such a hard city. So afterwards, I'm not going to have a drink. I'm going to have Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So it's all these things saying like that I know, but I'm really been pushing against it. Uh, You mean like there's yes, Mm -hmm. there's signs that are saying just go. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like people will say sometimes like, yeah, I didn't need that. And it's like, oh, well, that's totally fine. But Mm -hmm. what if it's yes, like what if it's just going to make everything so much better? What if it's Mm going to alleviate anxiety? What if it's going to I mean, I, I think that with high functioning people mm-hmm. it can be really first of all who knows you know plenty of people it could, it could just be you don't need it yeah it could just be that it wouldn't make your life better you don't we don't know mm-hmm. we're all snowflakes yeah but but i i think that um when it's someone who's very high functioning before it's very easy to like not want to do it mm-hmm. or you know someone like me who's very low functioning I was like, oh, I better. I tried to quit on my own. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I was. I welcomed it, and then it helps me so much. I just keep doing it. Yeah. So I guess I'm kind of like with mental illness and having to go to therapy so much. I'm yeah. Like, I'm already in so much shit. Yeah. Like I don't want to have to do more shit. Yeah. How like how often are you in therapy? I go twice a week. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a decent amount. And then there's a psychiatrist you got to mm-hmm. go to. Yeah, you have to check in with them mm-hmm. for any medications. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I just feel like I put in work in other ways. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, yeah, it's something that's always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And the great thing I do think is that it's there. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go anywhere. When you were at that like meeting in the Valley telling people, did you feel, oh, God, they're judging me. They yes. think I'm doing it wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did they say anything? There that was made you think one that? girl. She was super. Like everyone was really happy because my friend brought me in there. Yeah. Like, How long have you had? Yeah, you know, and yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, I hate that. I want to run out because I don't want to tell you. Why? Because I, then I have to explain. I right. always have to explain. Don't. I mean, that's also I think uh, what people think, and I get why they think yeah. it. That like everyone in AA has got their little notepad out, and they're like, <laughs> well. Like, we're cops. Mm-hmm. And it's like, everybody does it differently. Yeah, and they were so nice to me. Yeah. Like, no one was mean. And no. one guy actually came up to me later and heard me talk, and he goes, I was the same way. I was sober for, like, two, I think he said two and a half years yeah. before he ever went to AA. Oh, so you shared? Yeah, well, I shared after. Oh, okay. I shouldn't say. I, I didn't share during. Right, but you talked to people. Yes, I stayed like, around and talked to people. You gathered a group. <laughs> yeah, I gathered a group. They <laughs> Let were me all, tell you how I do yes, it, guys. It was very, like, what I expected. Like, everyone was very young and cute. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, this is like, I'm in LAAA. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I went years before I actually went, and people were, like, this very cute girl gave me her number, and she was, like, so pretty, yes. and, like, she was, like, famous. Or she was the sister of someone very famous. I was like... Why are they doing this? Yes. Every, tons of people gave me their number. And yeah. it was young, like yeah. attractive girls who can wear bodysuits. And I'm like, this isn't my life. Right, <laughs> like, right. Where else yes. are young girls in bodysuits going to give anyone no, their number? let alone little let me. A, little <laughs> girls yeah. from Minnesota. Oh, gosh. You punch people. <laughs> people take their cabs. So, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, I think that, do you believe in the idea of the disease of alcoholism? Yes, okay. definitely. My mom went through the program. It okay. helped her. She needed it sometimes she would host meetings when like Mm -hmm. there'd be snow and they'd have problems in her car what like she was a badass about it yeah but she didn't do it so i know it works Mm -mm. she doesn't really go anymore now 
And do you, so, and, and the medication treats depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. do, do you have good, we all have good days and bad days. But oh, yeah, like do, today was a bad day. Why? I just felt really anxious all day. And I think that sometimes I'll wake up under, mm -hmm. like I always say, sometimes I feel like I wake up under a blanket of anxiety. Uh -huh. And so it's me having to fight all day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes all day just to feel good. And so walk me through that. So you open your eyes mm -hmm. and you go. I even meditated, like I downloaded an app yeah. on my phone because my therapist is always like, you need to meditate, you need to do this. And so I was like, I'm downloading this app. Mm -hmm. I meditated at night. I woke up and then we were just having like issues with our apartment mm -hmm. and it's 101 degrees. We mm -hmm. don't have air conditioning mm -hmm. and all these like little life so things. you were late. Did that stress you out that you were late to here? Yes. Yeah. When I'm I driving around so with lift. Oh my God. I, and she didn't turn at the right, the poor woman. But how woman. about when I text you? Because I have anxiety and about being late because mm -hmm. I often am. And then I text back, no worries. Did yes, that, that help? Yes, that helped because you said, take your time I think yes and I that was love very it when people say that to yes. me I don't like people like K okay oh, they go K yes or, how far are you yes oh. Oh. well it just so happened I was having a crazy emergency so oh. I was very relieved and I'm not happy you had that but I am yeah glad. I mean I'm I think everything's gonna be fine but, but so and then when you have an anxious day do you, mm -hmm. does it like can it, it can last, I mean, like a day, it can yeah. last a week. What's the longest it's ever lasted? Um, I feel like it's lasted on and off a week uh -huh. before. Uh -huh. Yeah, of me having to constantly pick myself up. Because I always try, I try to explain it to people. Like, I have to wake up every day and convince myself to be content. Right. And to be happy. My brain doesn't work that way. Right. So when people are like, smile, be happy, right. get out in the world, go for a walk. I'm like, if I could, I would. No one would want to feel like this. None of us do. Right. We wouldn't choose this. This yes. is just our reality. So yeah, I have to work a little bit harder. I will say that's exactly what 12 step is for. Yeah. Sort of, you know, retraining the brain because I do think that alcoholism is sort of just self-obsession and negativity mm -hmm. and, you know, it's so bad that eventually, you know, you you find alcoholic drugs or whatever it is to try to alleviate that and mm -hmm. then it stops working. But, you know, I believe in neural pathways changing. I firmly believe in medication, but I also believe that, you know, it's practice. Yes. That, you know, the sort of Oh, why is life worth living? Well, I'm so lucky. I mean, not the like, oh, I have two legs and two arms mm -hmm. or whatever, but whatever it is. Yeah. You know, gratitude. Do you do gratitude lists? Yes, I do a gratitude journal. Uh -huh. I try to list six things a day. Do they have to be different than the day before? I don't necessarily. I try to, uh -huh. but sometimes I'm, you know, it's it's like I'm thankful that my husband's healthy today. I'll yeah. put that multiple times. Right. And maybe that's my OCD too, because if I put it this many times, he'll still be healthy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I would think that it would be OCD-ish that you would have to have different ones every yeah. day. Yeah. No, I don't think that I... So what's the last... Uh, so how's the OCD now? Um, it's good it's it's better than it's been uh -huh. i'm still doing a little bit of like getting out of the house is hard for me sometimes especially like and before shows it's mm -hmm. been difficult for me um so i've been late like i think the last show i was late to i felt so bad and I, I was more late than i'd ever been i think i was like a half hour late mm -hmm. but the guy that runs it was so nice about it because you leave and then you have yep. to go back because mm -hmm. i had my hair straightener uh-huh my flat iron plugged yeah because you were gonna perform yeah and then yeah. i thought maybe i didn't lock that bottom lock right what about oh. having a husband there can't you just text he him? wasn't there but it, that helps yes, a lot if i could general. text him. but sometimes i don't trust he checked oh, it properly right because right, he'll right. say jolene i check the door and i'll go ah yeah 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 you're like you're placating yes. me and i'll lay down yeah and then i'll like he might fall asleep i might go check it right so. right so and then you <laughs> perform all over la mm -hmm. where yeah. like where do you perform oh anywhere that'll take me pretty mm -hmm. much from bar shows to like 
claw like flappers club in burbank yeah. is a cute uh claw, i don't know why i called it cute yeah just anywhere i'm trying to like start my own show again kind of create my own opportunities because it's it can be really frustrating yeah There's but you so love it. It, it so in the anxiety of performing one would think yeah that someone with anxiety would find performing in front of a crowd nerve-wracking no. it's honestly the one of the few places i feel like i can be myself that's fascinating and be so honest because I don't care. I don't care if they judge me. Yeah. You know, but the people closest to me, yeah. I care. Yeah. Well, if you have any message for the listeners of this show, oh. what would it be? Gosh, I, I, any message. I think what's really important is like self-awareness and emotional honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think the more of us that are honest with our shit and what we're going through instead of judging one another and going oh, she's an alcoholic, oh, she's bipolar, like own your shit too. Mm-hmm. And then I think that'll create more empathy. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, that yes. realization that everybody's got their stuff. Yes. How long does that take to realize? I, I have know. to re-remember it all the time in our Facebook culture where everybody puts oh, their best self forward I know. or their fake self forward. Mm-hmm. And so on that note, you have a blog where you blog about mental I, health. I do. I have moodygirl.com uh-huh. and girls fall with a U. Uh-huh. And I blog about, like I use humor for like mental health awareness yeah and then i created a web series called bipolar becky okay and uh it was kind of a fun thing it basically the premise is she's trying to find her sanity in an insane world and like the people that admit they're crazy are the sanest ones of all right so i mean because that's the thing too is it's like yeah the people out there that are like oh you're in therapy and it's like yes yes those are the same ones Mm mm-hmm but, um, well, this has been fabulous. Thanks. And people can find you at, at those blogs and mm-hmm. also on social media yes. where you don't try to make your life look perfect. No, never. If anything, my mom's like, you share too much. <laughs> well, thanks, mom. <laughs> that was Jolene Lenzer on After Party Pod. You can find out more about her by going to palegirl.com, P-A-L-E-G-U-R-L.com. And check out my other podcast if you want. It's called You've Got Issues with Anna David. Find out more about that at the Issues with Anna website. And find out more about this podcast and the website it's a part of at AfterPartyMagazine.com. I will see you next time.